This is the Beyond Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament beyond that, what we're calling a chrono-geobiological flow. That is, we're looking at the chronology of the book of Acts and then veering off when we get to the geography or the biography or the theology that the book of Acts lifts up. And today we're going to be looking at the city of Corinth and the ministry that took place there and getting a sense of what Paul was up to. But first, let's just talk about where, where we are just a little bit, Ben. Um, it's 4th of July time, so we're, we think about our own communities, our own nation at this, this time of year, our own celebrations of that. Do you got any big plans that you guys will be doing on this 4th of July? Uh, that's a great, that's a great question. I don't know if I have an answer to it. I I don't think I have an answer to it. Um, A, I have to see if my wife's working and if she's working, I'll probably take the kids. You know, crazy enough on several 4th of Julys, I've taken the girls down to Southern, uh, Indiana to one of the, uh, caves there and like gone, you know, it's like nice and like 55 degrees inside the cave all the time. And so it's nice cool down. But I love driving through small town Indiana, small town America during the 4th and seeing, you know, uh, Orleans, Indiana, which is a small community in, in I guess, South Indiana. And uh, I love driving through that little town. And I've driven through it on a multitude of 4th of Julys. Everything is decorated with the American flag. And they've got this great gazebo in their like little town center park. And uh, I have multiple pictures of the girls over the years in that gazebo on July 4th. And so that, that might be what uh, what we'll do. We'll, we'll see. Well, you grew up in New Orleans. Is, is Orleans as close as you can get to that? <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. There's like something rooted in my subconscious, and it's like, <laughs> I've got to go to Orleans. This is my chance, my if, one time of year. If it's called Orleans, why isn't your hometown called New Orleans? Why is it my, my hometown is New, New Orleans? New, it's called New Orleans or something like that. It's oh, like one we, syllable almost. Yeah, yeah. we just call it Nolans. New Orleans. Yeah, sometimes people call it Nolans, which is like nails on a chalkboard to anybody from New Orleans. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that that being said, I, I got your, uh, yeah, got okay. your point yeah, there. I, but I, also, 4th of July, too, one of the other things, I've got uh, two family members, one who my great-grandfather, who raised my mom, so he was like our grandfather, uh, he was a July 4th uh, baby. And then I've got a cousin who also is a July 4th baby. So. so it's real celebration time. Oh, yeah. In your family. Yeah. That's, per- that's pretty cool. Yeah, we just go to our backyard because all of the neighbors spend more money on fireworks <laughs> than the city. So we just go back there and we live, our house backs up to the neighborhood park. And Abraham, Elise, and I go to the backyard and look 360 degrees and there's somebody shooting off fireworks at any given moment. Does so, Abraham have fireworks? Uh, he doesn't have too many of those, I don't think, okay. along the way. We want to make sure that the neighborhood's still standing at the end of the, the <laughs> No day. pyrotechnics at your house. <laughs> that's that's right. Okay, let's just uh, go away from Fishers, Indiana, into Corinth, and and take a look at this place called Corinth. It's a quite an interesting city. We were we last left in Athens, and Corinth is fifty miles west of Athens. There's a a little isthmus. That's a hard word to say to me, but it's a little narrow strip of land. That's kind of between the the part where Athens is and this other 
peninsula, kind of a rounded peninsula, where where the other other areas were kind of at the bottom tip of what is modern day Greece, and Corinth was built right on this strip of land, this isthmus, is is where it was. Because of that, it became a super important hub of trade and shipping. It, it turns out that people instead of taking their ship all the way around this this body of land that was there, they would actually port their, their ship and then carry it or, or transport it in some way across this land to another waiting ship and take it across the sea in other directions. So it became this stopover place for many people that were sailors and merchants and people that would transport these goods. That made it super important. It was actually probably one of the most important trade cities in the entire Roman Empire. It had a lot going on. They had numerous temples. They had a temple to Apollo, which is the god of their Hellenistic culture and other things, a temple to Poseidon. We know these words, you know, the god of the sea, a quarry, the goddess of fertility and sort of growth of plants and so forth. And here's one I don't know, Asclepius, the god of medicine. But the most important one of all was the temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of sensuality and sexuality and, and so much more. And we'll get into some of that along the way. So that was the one that the city of Corinth was really known for. And it made it a popular stopping point. I mean, they had a temple dedicated to sensuality and sexuality and love and lust and, and so, so much more. And it's believed that there were as many as 1,000 prostitutes who were employed by the temple. That number is debated. The point is there were a lot. (laughs) There were a lot of prostitutes who were there. It was a culture that was promiscuous, to say the least. A lot of times we, we think about our modern world and all that goes on in the West today or in the United States or in Fishers, Indiana today. And we think, wow, how much the world has changed and look how much more we are open to sexual things and exploration and promiscuity. Uh, we got nothing on Corinth, do we? No, no, we don't. No, we don't. The The uh, Corinthians in the first century would probably think that they would look at America as being a bunch of prudes, uh, most likely, because as you stated uh, with Aphrodite, um, you know, sensuality, sexuality was a means to the divine which was a uh, which is one of those things Paul had to address as people were coming out of this pagan culture into the church and Paul's like yeah that that life that you associated with the divine back in the day that is not the way of Jesus Christ that is a fact you know and and that's what he runs into pretty quickly Paul does so let's take a look at Acts chapter 18 and we'll we'll just begin with some of this then dip into some of 1 Corinthians as time permits Acts chapter 18, verse 1, after this, that is after they left Athens, uh, Paul went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They show up a lot, Aquila and Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them every Sabbath. He reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade 
Jews and Greeks. Verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, remember he left them up in a different region, when they came and joined him, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. So they were doing the other aspects of ministry. Now Paul could preach all the time, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Ben, I don't know if this is like the turning point when he just said, I'm done trying to reach Jewish people who are going to treat me with abuse and riots and stoning and beating with rods and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm done with all this. And I'm going to the Gentiles. He says, from now on, or if he only means it in that city, which seems to be the, the case, but it was definitely a turning point in Corinth to some degree, uh, as he says, I'm going to take this gospel message to the non-Jewish Gentile people. What what do you make of what's going on here? Yeah, that there was a, I don't know if it was a definitive shift, but from the standpoint of Paul, when he entered into a, a, a town or a city, his initial, uh, his initial stopping ground was the local synagogue to go and to proclaim Christ there and then branch out from there. Uh, but as we know, uh, in his calling, um, Jesus had commissioned Paul uh, to be the apostle ultimately to the Gentiles. And so here we do see somewhat of a shift to where Paul begins to uh, more exclusively uh, move on into Gentile communities and, and focus his ministry there. Yeah, so it says in, in verse 8, in the latter half of verse 8, that many Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So there's lots of people who came to faith. And then over in verse 11, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the Word of God. So we've kind of seen along the way here that he hasn't made long stays. He's in many of the other places. He's, he's lasted, I don't know, weeks or a few months. But now he's staying a year and a half, and he's putting down some roots for a longer ministry that's there. You think that was like just because he, he wanted to be in the city because they had such a desperate need for the gospel? or a little more success was, was happening, or he was tired, he just needed to yeah. slow down, or I mean, any guess, like why he stuck around a year and a half? I, I don't know, crazy enough, I was about to ask you the, the <laughs> same question, because one of the, the things that I perceive here, right, right, right or uh, potentially wrong, is that in these other communities with the, you, you know, you, you're having among the Gentiles that are receiving Christ, a number of Jews who are receiving Christ as well, who are steeped in Old Testament, who are steeped in the Old Testament scriptures. And now you have a community that is, it's, it's foreign to them. And so maybe there was greater need for him to stick and stay around as a means of getting them, nurturing them, that they would become more well-versed in the scripture uh, itself. And so that, that's a thought. Maybe not the right thought, but a thought. Yeah, it's, I don't have the, the answer to that. I'm sure there are uh, people smarter than we are who are listening to this and can give us the insight. Nonetheless, he stuck around for a while and had some successful ministry. It didn't all go well. People got mad. You can continue to read that in Acts 18, and and they were beating people up and all kinds of stuff was going on. But there was some success. And eventually, Paul left Corinth, and then later he writes 
the letters to them, which we know as 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Most scholars believe there were maybe some more letters that were, that were written along the way, but he writes these letters to them in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians that we know of, these two long letters. And in writing them, one of the things I find interesting that he jumps on really early is the concept of following the right leader. So I would, I'd like to spend maybe the balance of our time talking about that from a ministry, ministry perspective. And so if you flip over to, listening to this, flip over to 1 Corinthians, book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and this debate is going on, and we'll pick it up in verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He writes this letter, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Okay, they're debating things about the life and faith and ministry and all these things. But it's a weird debate. Verse 12, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, that is Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. So they are each having their their leader, and these are an abstentia. Of course, Christ has already ascended. Paul had moved on from there. Cephas was back, Peter was back in in Jerusalem. Uh, I'm not sure where Apollos was at the time, but they all were, were naming like these, this is my key leader that I'm following. Why is it a thing? Like, you, you've been in ministry for a while. I've been in ministry for a, a whileer. And um, I'm telling you, like, it's a thing where people have this need to say, hey, Pastor Mark, you know, I, I really miss you at our church. And you're so much better than, than the person that came three people after you. Or, or, hey, Pastor Mark, thanks for being at our church right now. And you're, you're, the, you're the real leader and the the person or two or three that preceded you weren't like, it's still a thing rather than the eyes on Christ. I still find this, this thing. I follow Mark. I follow Ben. I, anybody saying I follow Doug, you know, did you hear what happened at Bible school when people were naming the pastors, of the church, Doug is our leader. They named Doug as the pastor. Yeah. 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 So way to, way to go, Doug. He is yeah. in control of all things. He does. Have, he, he's the puppet master. Yeah. He can change, he can change whatever we say here um, at will. So it's a thing. Like people, what do you make of all that? Uh, celebrity culture uh, is nothing new no. uh, under the sun. And so it existed even in, in the first century. To where, yeah, folks were aligning themselves with these different leaders uh, within the church, and and some of that was born of uh, undoubtedly their their local celebrity, and then I think the other part of it is, I mean, it, it's this weird issue that we wrestle with that where oftentimes we have a tendency to measure people against others, and so it's almost like our means of validating somebody or encouraging somebody 
is to play them against someone else. Now, some of that's born of, you know, a relational context to where, you, you know, you spend enough time in a ministry setting, you develop relationships, right. you develop these close bonds, and then somebody uh, comes in after you and everybody misses you. And so there, there's that aspect undoubtedly at, at play to where we think that from a relational standpoint, it's a, it's a measure of our loyalty, you know? And then the other, but the other side of it too is, is that there's just a tendency for folks to align with folks. And then, and then again, like you said, play those, those people off one another. You know, if somebody comes to compliment you and is like, oh, Pastor Mark, we love you so much. And, and your sermons are so much better than Pastor Ben's, which undoubtedly they are. But <laughs> that being said, it's again, it's that, it's that bent of human nature to say, I'm going to honor you. The easiest way for me to honor you, to encourage you, is to measure you against another. And so sometimes, again, I think it's just kind of a bent, our natural bent toward depravity. And, and even like within most settings, within the context of our culture, you know, we, we work our way up the proverbial, you know, corporate ladder by being measured against other people. And so if people, you know, if you're in a work environment where you're constantly being evaluated against, you know, the guy in the cubicle next to you, there's a tendency to bring that into our relationship with Jesus Christ within our relationships with those within the church. And so I think that's where a lot of it stems from. Yeah, maybe, maybe it does. I, I, you're probably right. And Paul brings the light here, this, this topic, and he, he's really going to hammer them on it. I mean, through several chapters of First Corinthians, but he, he says there in chapter one, verse seventeen, he's using the illustration of that he didn't he didn't baptize many of them. He said, verse seventeen, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. I'm not a great speaker. Then he says, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. That's a tremendous phrase. So, so the reality is, when People do that. Let's say when we feed it as pastors, that it diminishes the power of the death of Christ. If we say that the church is built on my leadership or my wisdom or my eloquence or whatever, it removes this authority and power that Christ has by his death on the cross, his resurrection, the empty tomb, his ascension into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, on and on. Like it removes that, and it puts me on the throne or other pastors on the throne. Because I've been on the other end of that. Sure. When I followed somebody and like, you're no Steve. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, so I just, you know, I've seen it on both sides, and it's, and it's like this focus on the wrong thing. How do we do a gut check on this and begin to look at ourselves as church leaders and pastors? And encourage the listeners who are probably part of churches to put the the focus on the right thing. Yeah, I think it's always bringing it back to to Christ Himself, and so you know, and I, and I think as a as a pastor, there needs to be like the element of humility and recognition that whatever gifting that that we have and again this is within a church setting but with what with whatever gifting that we have it's god given and so 
in, in all things, seeking to glorify God with the gifts we have, always deferring the, the praise mm-hmm. itself to where it belongs, which is to God's glory. Um, and, 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 you know, pointing everybody to Jesus Christ. There's nothing, um, you know, we're here to make much of Christ and, and Christ alone, not us, not ourselves. And so making sure that we're just constantly and persistently pointing others uh, to, uh, to Jesus Christ. And, and also I think the other part of it is it's, uh, it's, it's rejoicing in the good gifts of others. And so it's not so much that I'm looking to hyper-focus on somebody's particular gift, but giving thanks to God for the gifting they have and honoring that gift, not ever trying as a pastor to play myself off against another pastor to highlight, you know, maybe an area where I'm more gifted than that particular person, but honoring the gifts that we have and celebrating those things to where, you know, in, in Romans 12, Paul talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice. And so it ha- it's not about me. It's about God's gifting and finding joy in that and celebrating the gifts of others and not taking ourselves too stinking seriously and remembering that hmm. for, for whatever, you know, quote, unquote, success we have, it's all, it's all God dependent. It's all dependent upon the spirit to move and to work. I mean, the, the, the notion that any word that I could ever speak that it's going to uh, be the the you know the transformational linchpin in someone's life is uh, is ridiculous. Yeah. So so Paul lays it square back on them. And he says, "You're just doing this because you're worldly. You you don't get it. You don't get the power of the cross, and you are not living like citizens of heaven. You're living like citizens of the world." He says it over in chapter three. And it begins in verse one. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Ouch. You're mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. Verse three. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? When one of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? After all, what is? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I I planted the seed, Paul says. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So he's, he's again coming back to this comparison thing of saying, you know, Apollos, Cephas, Peter, you know, Paul, like this thing. And he's saying, you're just acting like people in the world do, which you said the guy in the other cubicle or, or on, the, on the ladder of success and, and saying, this is not the way it works in heaven. It's the way it works in the world. Church, stop being worldly. It's a little bit of an in-your-face part of the letter, I think. Yeah, the whole letter is pretty much in-your-face, as is typical of of Paul. Um, But one of the things you you love here is you love Paul's humility to to say, who who am I? You know? 
I'm like, whatever, fruit, you know, Paul's basically saying whatever fruit was born of my words, it's, it's all of God. It's not of me. And, uh, and so for, to see Paul's humility and again, seeking to, to, to emulate that in ministry to where Paul's only concern was, it wasn't about his celebrity. It wasn't about winning followers to himself. It was all about pointing people uh, to Jesus Christ. And he reminds them that who they are. He, he makes he makes a couple meta- metaphor shifts in this chapter, and one of it was from being infants, and then he moves on to like the building. He said a field, then a building. And I'm gonna look at the building metaphor for a minute. It's in First Corinthians three verse ten. For by the grace God has given me, I Paul laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else, like Apollos, is building on it. But each one should of you should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He clearly says, like, I'm not the foundation. Apollos isn't the foundation. Like, your leaders around you, they're not the foundation. The foundation is Christ alone. Which, if you look at verse 16, it, the theme is picked up. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? This is a full shift now to the building metaphor. Like the, the building of your life was, was, yes, it was laid, but it's the cornerstone's Jesus Christ. He, he's it. He's the foundation of all of it. But you are God's temple. The Spirit of God dwells in you. And he sort of takes this concept of saying, instead of making any of us the hero, the hero is God. And his Spirit is what makes you worthy, is what makes you his very temple. It's a brilliant argument that he's making to these people who were, you know, as we've learned, they were as close to Athens. I mean, there was a lot of deep philosophical thinkers in this region, and he's using sort some of the, the metaphors and other kinds of things to describe to them the nature of what it means to have God number one and God God's presence in our lives, the most important thing about us, not these externals like my church leadership, my pastors, my building, the things that we tend to to focus on. He finishes this chapter up by saying this. It's in 1 Corinthians 3, at least in verse, let me just pick up verse 21. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. Hear that, church? No more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Wrap us up with a your thoughts about this section that we looked at? Uh, again, the, the level of humility that is, is needed in, in leading or directing or, or whatever we're doing in life. Are we doing it for the glory of God? Are we seeking to make much of Christ with our lives and whatever we're doing? And so the constant recognition that it's not 
about us. It's not about, you know, followers on our Instagram page or our Twitter feed or, or whatever it might be, or followers within the church or trying to like stake out uh, a claim for ourselves within the church. It's just simply about Christ and making much of him and, you know, raising high the cross of Christ and, and bearing witness uh, to him. And that's it. You know, it's seeking to live that humble life and just faithfully live into your calling. I mean, I get asked, and this isn't, this is going to sound like a humble brag. And so I apologize for that. It's not intended to, but you know, I get asked all the time, why aren't you a senior pastor? Why, why don't you want to do that? Why haven't you moved on to that? And it's not that I don't think I have the skill set for that. I just don't think that's what God's called me to do. And I think that's where, for us as followers of Christ, it's finding contentment in Christ, finding contentment in God's call upon our life, realizing that he has placed us wherever he's placed us, whether it's within a, a church setting or a corporate setting or wherever, to bear witness to Jesus Christ based upon the skill set and the calling that he has he is given to us. And so just honoring God with that and uh, being humble with it and enjoying the life that he has put before us. That's well said and valuable words for all of us. Well, folks, thank you for listening today. Next week, we're going we're gonna to spend some more time in Corinth and next several weeks discussing these two long letters to the Corinthians and hopefully we can get some insights. If you have not yet gotten on the app so that you can, on a daily basis, be following these devotions and script readings, I encourage you to do so now. It's not too late to jump in. Just do that because you can read a chapter of 1 Corinthians and then a chapter of 2 Corinthians five days a week. Monday through Friday is a good good target for that. Just read read a chapter and some devotions, and there's a, a poem that's been written to kind of go with each one, each one to help us explore more deeply what the Bible says and let it resonate with your spirit as you're doing so. And if you'd like to stay up to date with these podcasts that we're doing, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. May God bless you as you go through this week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>